0: Speaking of food, I don't know if you guys have ever seen in um, in cookbooks where they say if you're cutting chilies, use plastic gloves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have, and I know why. But I'm always like, I don't need to get the gloves. You know, wash my hands. But then if you forget and you touch yourself,
1: your eyes and your
2: Shane it g- it yeah. 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 Like no, <laughs> just just to
3: be safe for I the just home, did this whole over it, here Shane I did gesture towards in his in face eyes. when he said touch yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's uh theater of the mind here, Shane. Did you ever see that right.
0: Simpsons episode? I think it was on the first season where the, there was like some grizzled guy who was talking he's on no, he was like the bus driver, he was talking to people on the bus, and he's like you know, basically you think he's going down the road where he's talking about being a non being a nom, that's how he lost his arm. He's like, Let's just say the next time the teacher says, Keep your arm inside the window, you do it. That's kinda how I feel about this right now, because every single time I touch myself in the eye or like scratch my nose or something and it burns of jalapeno, I think
1: it's your own damn fault.
0: Nobody's saying it's not, dude. Nobody ever said that once. I'm the I'm the person that brought that up. So Anyway, that's a cooking lesson.
4: Start the show with some some knowledge. Drop the knowledge.
0: I did, as usual. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. Somebody likes it.
4: So I figure we'll get this out of the way right right here at the top. There's Morrissey news today. There's a
0: Kevin Newsom. Somebody
4: ring the bell. Brought up Morrissey. Yeah. Well, and it's because there's a consequence of sound headline that says, and I quote, Morrissey says he only eats quote bread, potatoes, pasta, and nuts. And he also says some very Morrissey things, including, the truth is, vegans are actually superior beings, he says at a new fan-conducted interview. (laughs) That's
1: my favorite That's all
0: he does with fan-conducted interviews Well,
4: well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, if you guys weren't sure, like if we wanted like a Morrissey crazy check... It's truly
1: laughable, well, at least
0: mean, he showed up for that interview. I was yeah, no shit. I was just thinking literally earlier today, like quit making it hard for me to listen to my favorite band, the Smiths Morrissey, old Morrissey, can you stop with your nonsense? like it's to the point where okay s- well, anyway, there are some people that have made movies. As actors and/or directors, recently that things have come to light about their behavior, it makes it extremely hard for me to enjoy their work. But Morrissey is just fucking weird, and it makes me hard for to enjoy his work. So, but 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 equally, I can't. I'm 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 almost kind of up to the point where, like, every time I listen to Big Mouth Strikes Again, I would be like. I only eat potatoes, corn, and nuts, and whatever. No,
4: I'm sure you can make those into song lyrics. I mean, the thing is, yeah, homeboy. Like, if I ever, I don't, you know, obviously, I don't seek this kind of stuff out. But when I saw him, like that, that there was uh, music news, and his mug was in the was in the the fr- frame of the thumbnail, I was like, okay, let's just see, let's just see if this is as crazy as it probably uh, probably will be. And I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's not. Don't get me wrong, eating bland food is not crazy, but the fact that it was covered by a reasonably major uh, music publication is a little fucking weird. That's, so, that's you think, all you get.
3: Do you think it's his diet that makes him such a terrible author?
2: I think it's Maybe. his diet that yeah. makes him
0: so fucking puny and unhealthy. I mean...
3: Well, you're a vegetarian, and
1: yes. you do just fine. But he's vegan.
0: Somebody, somebody give that guy a waffle. Yes. Well, no, but I mean, if you're, regardless of if you're vegan or if you're whatever you are, like you need to eat things with fucking color in it. Not your entire diet be beige. I mean, that's just kind of a recipe for disaster. (laughs) At least in my (laughs) experience and opinion, I
4: just it struck me as the equivalent. Like that's the that's the consequence of sound equivalent of like that time that they had a guy. I talk about this every about maybe once a year. Like the fact that they had a guy on the Today Show who could. Freehand draw a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What is happening? Why is this guy on national TV? Well, is it what could he possibly s- is he selling a book with perfect circles in it? Anyway, I couldn't imagine. It's sort of like this is kind of like that.
0: It's sort of like the the the, the circle of of like of like fa or like the amount of you know interesting things." or, you know, interesting by not necessarily me saying it, but, like, we're trying to fill up that ever-tightening news information cycle so much more and more, and it gets, like, more and more chick voice. voice. That's and a
1: talent, but it's more a talent you want to see, like, on the boardwalk at Coney Island.
0: That's what I'm saying. There's yeah. nothing more. At some point, we're just going to be, there's no more entertainment value with, the, with this constant fucking, I don't know.
3: Well, or we've, we've spent more than four minutes talking about it, so yeah. there's something there.
0: Or busking in front of the dollar
4: store.
3: Dude, I, I would never take back that memory <laughs> ever.
1: That's
2: a
0: pretty great. It
1: was awesome. And it wasn't even a dollar it's, store anywhere know, near downtown or where anybody else was busking. It <laughs> just just walked right out there. You know they've like,
0: got a dollar yeah. in their pocket. So, <laughs>
2: <Well, laughs> you're I mean, in there the buying name, yeah. some bubbles. <laughs> like
4: <laughs> I don't know. It's no, it's very good. strange. Okay, so uh What are we well, here to talk let's about? Let's get to it. Yeah, so what as you guys know, I really like to, uh, like m- my MO has been for a while just to try and bring us really current records because that is the, you know, we don't, you guys have been going in the way back machine. And, well uh, you say that,
1: that is kind of your MO is that.
4: No, it is. He's no, he's, he's not he tried it many me. times. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I do like doing that. But, but anyway, um, one of the things that I've kind of, that's been rattling around and whatever's left in my noggin has been that, uh, there were a couple of artists that we haven't covered in the, whatever, three and a half years that we've been doing this show that I think are, th- that have, uh, their output was massive. Um, they were massively influential. And yet, uh, for all of the standards and the things that all of us probably know pretty well, they were, the people that I'm thinking, that we're going to talk about tonight were so prolific. That uh, there's plenty of stuff that you may not know that well, and I found a record that gave me an excuse for us to talk about both of them. The record's called Satch Plays Fats, and it is uh, it's a 1950. It's essentially a 1955 record came out where that um, where Louis Armstrong played Fats Waller covers, and they both have amazing, crazy stories. And they were they were f- they were friends during Fats's lifetime.
1: Uh, he died
0: in 1943. He was young too. I don't even think he was 39.
1: 40. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, unbeknownst to Kevin, um, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Shane is a giant Fat Swaller fan. We have talked about that before, but I not with I've Shane. We've talked about the fact that both Shane and I appreciate Fat Swaller. Yeah, well, I don't remember that conversation. It might have been over booze. Okay. But, uh, but no. shocker. Yeah. No, I remember like being in like my mid 20s and. Walking in on Shane just geeking out and I'm like, What is this? And he's, he's like, Oh, it's it's oh it's Fat Swaller, it's amazing. Everybody else is listening to like SoundGarden. Um But Shane was just going nuts over Fat Swaller. And you're just like that, dude. You just uh I,
0: I like how th- the way that you put that like made Mark you're like I walked in on Shane geeking out on Fat Swaller and Mark almost like spit.
1: No, you weren't <laughs> masturbating or anything, but you might as well have been. You can't
0: <laughs> See, that was implicit in what, what I was going to say. <laughs> but, uh, no, of course not. I'm a big Fats Waller fan, yeah. And anybody that, that... You know, but that's the thing, too, is that um, for me personally, yeah, it goes without saying, this is, uh, this is probably... In fact, I won't even say probably. This is absolutely my favorite record that anybody's ever picked in the time we've done this show for several different reasons. Not just because I love... That's Waller. I think he's one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century. The facts um, would bear that out, I think. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, without a doubt. And if you go back, I don't know if you didn't any, any looking looking into any of his I mean, the best songs and a lot of his songs don't fall in, in the Great American Songbook. Some of them do, obviously Ain't Misbehavin' does. Right. Which is the song that I heard as a kid that turned me on to him. I mean, I was young too, like 8 or 9. I was like what is this? I've never heard it before. Right, and it just sent me down this path
4: instantly accessible. Like both of them, like both of these artists. One of the things that they had in common was just the like they're they're just you know these are they're happy songs. And
0: well, like, but the thing, well, but they're mostly happy, but they, are. Mostly there's they a, are. There's a lot of minor keys. That's the thing. Waller would use minor keys in these like a lot of times, like in the in the in those old songs, like you. You really only had like a you had you would have like you wouldn't have like an like the like nowadays we have like a like a verse and a chorus and then like a pre chorus or a bridge. You know, we have those parts. Right. And these old songs they weren't written like that a lot of times. They were written with the verse and then there would be like a little an intermission. A bridge. Oh, okay. And then it would go back to so the whole verse like think about like all of me. Like right. all of me is just one part. And then right. there would be a part where the musicians played and you go to the top and play that one part again, and that was like what it was, you know, in the twenties, in early thirty, you know, the teens, twenties, and early thirties. So,
1: sh- so Shane, did you know all these songs already no, from n- Fats Waller? N- I didn't. Uh, well, they were basically done on piano, not trumpet. Um, well, yeah. he he right. had he was he, a stride he pianist. Was, he was
0: a piano player, but he had a whole band. I mean, so that's what par- partially why I love this album so much. And this is really interesting. Like I'm not. And anybody listening to this don't don't think I'm I'm a jazz historian by any stretch of the imagination. I love both of these guys for different reasons. I am a big Fats Waller fan and I you know these are two guys also that were they were they were crowd workers and you if you listen to Totally. T- Waller stuff, he'd be talking to the audience even when he recorded, it'd be like, "You get what I mean, baby?" you know like that kind of stuff. And then, you know, Armstrong would do the same thing like the you know, the the I mean that's not him, but you know what I mean. He'd scat, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, he would I'd scat a little bit. Yeah,
1: oh, but yeah, he, I, I, yeah. I meant to mention. <laughs> that. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing the rest of the show in <laughs> scat. Oh, that's good. So I hope so. Yeah, that's what. That's what. Yeah, that's when what. You what cut
0: these are asides that they would do the audience. But one of the cool things for me, this album was made in '55, and um, the first recording I ever heard of of Armstrong um, Strut with barbecue, I believe, was in 1929. And this guy had already had a three, like, he was one of the progenitors and one of the most famous people that took jazz when it was in that Dixieland format and took it forward, took it forward, took it forward. By the time this album came out, he was no longer accepted in jazz. Like, this is, like, right in the heart of when Bebop was starting. And he was, like, looked at on the outside. And that's when he really started doing all that pop stuff, like the Ella Fitzgerald duets, you know, that we all still know, like, you know, uh, there's all the like you say it tomato I say it to, you know all that stuff that we all still know, and um and this is a fucking jazz record in a lot of ways. This band is crazy good, crazy good, and it's kind of it kind of like it kind of splits the difference. Some songs between like 50s jazz where it's a backbeat stuff where those guys were playing like sitting in the, sitting behind the beat like they were in the 50s, but still doing Dixieland. Where 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 you had two or three melodies concurrently going on? Well, there's
1: melody and song structure to it, which you don't see in a little bit of that later free jazz stuff. No, no, no. So but I can kind of get behind it. But during that time, that you, uh, like
0: especially like even in even in bop, you're talking about like once you get into like the, the Coltrane stuff, like the you know the early 60s, yeah, for sure. And even in this time, same thing. But there still was a song structure. I- um, but there was a, like Dixieland is a really interesting form of of jazz in a lot of ways because it sometimes you would have like let's say like two like uh, two cornets and and two uh, clarinets playing different melodies at the same. Th- it should be chaotic, but somehow but it works complementary. Yeah, it, it in this you kind of see that, but it's also married to like fifties like mid fifties form of jazz, especially with the drums and the bass. The band is amazing.
4: No, they and well, and they they were an all star band. They were an all star, as band. it were. That that's what they were called. But yeah, they. I didn't um, know
0: that. I couldn't find anything about this album.
4: Yeah, I found all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. But the yeah, so they they played. These guys actually played. Um, Fats Waller and Louis Armstrong actually played together a couple of times.
0: I think they only played like twice. Twice,
4: right? and then they did a. Um, then they did a like a live. Uh, there was a jazz show out of New York. And they sat in and did a, like, with a, with a two guy, th- those two guys and then a couple of other dudes m- to make this sort of small band, they played a bunch of stuff live, including Sunny Side of the Street, which is not credited as a Fats Waller track, but is widely suspected to be a Fats Waller track. It's and it totally well sounds like yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really fascinating, and we'll get into this a little bit later uh, to a greater degree, but, um, you know... Fats was a stride pianist, and so there's a very distinct, uh, you know, sort of way that stride pianists play. And those guys are used to leading, and so it was really interesting for me to listen to this, like see it through two lenses from from Pops, right? Which one was that he knew the guy and he loved him, and he was like such a huge fan, and so he picked tracks. Pops being a nickname for one of the many Pops Satchmo. Dipper Mouth, I think, is another one. There were a few. <laughs> I <don't know>. I'm <laughs> unaware of that. Yeah, it's true. Coffee Cheeks. Yeah. I
1: don't. I think maybe that's Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, anyway. Right.
2: Right. Uh, well, was uh,
1: Fats Waller considered um, like ragtime, like Scott Joplin
2: kind no, of stuff? No, 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 no. Way, no, he's associated with different. Dixieland like, a little. A but, little bit uh, Dixieland, but definitely like... Mostly like, Swing and
0: Stride. Like Yeah, like strided. and then... Well, so like... Uh, pop, he was also writing pop songs. Like pop songs in the sense, we don't look at it now, but it ain't misbehaving like you know was a pop song it became it, it did a lot of like you would associate it more with with jazz now it came out during that time let's maybe why don't
4: we do it because we're gonna run we'll totally run long yeah, on the show go, if we don't force some songs in here let's let's let's, let's start with "A misbehaving yeah yeah Let, let's Okay.
5: oh no one to talk with by myself no one to walk with i'm be on the show misbehaving save my love Oh, baby, do 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 No, for Satan, the one I love. The food flaring you, then I'm thinking of. This behavior, save love. Baby, love that. yet. Like Jack Horner, in the corner. Don't go nowhere. And I don't care. All your kisses, I wait, waiting for. Believe me. I don't stay out late. Don't get a go. I'm about to be in the radio. I take it from me, it's on me, yum.
4: Listening to this record is kind of like being trapped in a Nora Efron movie for a little while. But like Go <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Like Like, <laughs> I mean, they're just Yeah, it's, it is, it is, it's upbeat and nostalgic and not just because that record came out in 1955, like that just, uh, Shane talked, Shane, you talked a lot while that, that track was playing about where the band, where the band was sitting in relation to whoever was playing lead at a given time. You want to expand on that? I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, so there, there's so much of that, that why I, I find this or found this record, I mean, it's. It's just a great. They're great songs to go off of, but I thought it was really interesting. This is my favorite personal period of jazz, like mid fifties to well fifties to sixties, like that early part. And but I I mean God knows I love that Dixieland stuff, and that's straight up Dixieland, which is really interesting. It totally be- is because like if you listen to the 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 Fat squaller versions, that's the most famous record, his most famous recording. It's a little bit backbeat. And he's a little bit da-dun, 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 da dun da, dun dun, da, dun da dun, And then they're on that. They're just fucking, it's crazy. Like, well, like and like he lingers. To like it's he weird. Yeah, like he lingers. Like it's backbeat. It's right. It's he's behind the beat just well a and, beat. Well, and
1: all these leads come in, like, kind of competing against each other, but it somehow doesn't ruin the song. It's fascinating
0: to me. Dixieland makes no sense to me. I was talking to this friend of mine years ago. I was on the road with him, and he was a free jazz player. And we were like, um,
4: hard to make a living that way.
0: Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, if you true. have a trust fund, true. you're in good shape. Sure. sure.
0: He was a great player. He played with all kinds of different people, but that's what he really liked to play. And I, not a big trust freak. fund jazz, never caught on. <laughs> really, no. Yeah, the <laughs> trust fund <Yeah>. jazz. <laughs> you know, oh no, no, no! It, it caught on in your dorm room. So, you know, <laughs> the trust a party
1: I and set, <laughs> yes. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I was never,
0: I was never, 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 never caught on. But we were having this conversation about different jazz people, like over the course of this little tour. And I, we were talking about Dixieland, and I was like, "It's fascinating to me. It should be free jazz in some ways. How do you have four instruments going on doing melodies concurrently? and like it's like, it's like four airplanes buzzing around in the same like, and nobody crashes, you know It's
1: crazy. No, it's what do like, like they call those the little circular things like you have in neighborhoods instead of stop signs?: Roundabouts: roundabouts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and somehow... Like, see, I got that from Mark. You see that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, uh, the band Yes, <laughs> Prog 70s. Uh, but anyway, like, like uh, that shit shouldn't work, and I don't know why it does or why it
3: they exist. It works better than stop signs. Yeah. Well, and it
4: seems like, you know, I mean, I think the one thing that's pretty key about this band or any, any jazz band worth its salt of that era or another era is like you, there are the basic... There's the basic structure or the bones of the song, but they these guys meander around each other because they know where the other one's gonna land it's It's a fascinating dance like
0: I love the shit out of it when people are good at it, and that's partially why this album is so interesting and like out don't know it's like out like what are you what like and especially like I love the fact that like you know Louis Armstrong just like cracked his knuckles he's like. I got this, you know, because he wasn't so respected at this time. Well, it he still fucking s- here's had the it. thing,
1: though. It doesn't sound improvisational. It sounds rehearsed, but it sounds like they had to get there. It's like it, I, I would
0: guarantee they, you, it's it. That's the thing. It's not. It's not. It's not a matter of. It's all. It's all built around playing off of the pillar. Like what's what key are you in? What's the melody? And it's we'll instinct
3: play it. too. I mean, they never step on it's each instinct. other. It's instinct. Yeah, it's definitely like, instinct. like you cannot. You, it is improv. You could probably pick it apart note by note and never find two notes that that oppose it, each other. That's
0: the thing. It is all improv. They need they need to know the initial melody. Sometimes they'll incorporate the melody back in. They need to know, you know, the key, and they you know need to, you know, I would say, anticipate. Well, I, like would, I was going to say at least have rehearsed with each other at least one time for a record like this, but maybe not. I mean, players that good. Well, I
4: mean, and these guys, you know, I mean, certainly. Armstrong had been playing Fats Waller songs for years. Like not only during the time that they played together, but he recorded during the 50s alone like a dozen Fats Waller tracks. I'm not
0: surprised to hear that at all, man.
4: Yeah. He his favorite uh his favorite Fats Waller uh, quote was something that Fats said when he walked up to a bunch of Chicago musicians once which was um which key are you guys struggling in? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: the guy was a fucking genius, man uh, I mean, I think he wrote like 400 songs in his lifetime And I would be willing to say that at least 390 of them were good I mean, like, he's one of those workhorse guys That, you know, also about
1: Fats, not Louis? Fats I mean, Waller, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Louis uh, was a never a writer Like, uh. that, that's not what he did I mean so I, don't, I mean he I wrote don't divert he, this too I shouldn't, much. I let me I just want to back up real quick. But right. when I say he was never a writer, he was never a songwriter. He was a brilliant improvisationalist, um, brilliant melody person, but he but he didn't write. He wasn't a songwriter in the same sense.
4: All right. So let's do let's do another one of these. Ryan, which what, what was the track that you wanted to hear? Or I tell you what, why don't we save that for the other side? And then Shane, there was one that you had mentioned that uh, that maybe the band takes I a little bit
0: I'd of a like different tack. I'd like to hear Honeysuckle Rose, which is, which is maybe his kind of second his most his favorite song. Yeah, his other staple. Yeah, it's okay. brilliant. Let's do it. Say
5: I have no use for other sweets of any kind, baby, since the day you came around. From the start I instantly made up my mind. That you're the sweetest sweet That can be found You so sweet Oh, Phobbs Can't be beat You mean it? Nothing sweeter ever stood on feet Yes, everyone to be filled with jealousy When they see you out with me I don't blame them goodness knows Honeysuckle rose Say when you're passing by Flowers droop inside And I know the reason why You're much sweeter, goodness knows Honeysuckle rose mm,
1: yeah, That's a brilliant song. like, and, and this is like an era of jazz that I can kind of get behind because like it has some rhyme and reason to it. Uh, Mark, you were reading about the co vocalist on that. Velma. Velma. Middleton. Velma. She was a uh, part of the, the Scooby Gang, right? Yes, <laughs> he was. Yes. <laughs> Zoinks.
0: <laughs> yeah, we would have gotten away with
1: it. Yes. Not for that meddling jazz vocalist, <laughs> right? Okay. No,
4: she was kind of his foil on on this record, and it sounds like maybe some others. You know, the uh, this was when this record came out. It was at the. It was right at the end of his arrangement with Decca was like kind of a major jazz imprint at the time. This record and the one that um that came out before it uh are are they're both cover records, they're both cover albums and they're both put out on Columbia. And so it was just like just kind of this uh you know, luck of the draw that uh he was able to put this out and and they both you know, clearly did really well. But they only They played together for the first time when uh, Louis was, in 1925. So Louis would have been, he said he was born on July 4th, 1901. Um, They later found that he was born on August 4th. Uh,
1: So that was was
0: a little bit of showmanship. So he was a month
1: He's a month off for God me. Damn. I know. These damn yeah. celebrities always trying to fake their age. Yeah, exactly. But that, but I am kind of like, I do think the backstories of these guys are really f- fascinating.
4: Like, so Fats Waller was the son of a of a minister and his, sure. m- and his mother was a musician. And he was one of 11 kids, only five of whom made five it to adulthood. Survived. Yeah. And
1: he was kidnapped by Al Capone's mafia.
4: Well, Yeah. He was kidnapped at gun. Yeah. So the story goes, he was kidnapped at gunpoint and uh, taken to a warehouse where I'm sure he did. He was not
1: optimistic that things were going to work out. No, great. He, thought, he thought like, oh, well, this is it, and uh, yeah. they just wanted him to play piano and played for it.
0: three days, and then they kicked him out like with a bunch of money.
1: Shithouse drunk with lots of money. Yeah. Look, the guy was bizarrely famous
4: at the time. Like here's. His son, for what it's worth, his son said it's a day and a half. Either way, the rest of the story is kind it's of a the good same, fucking story. It's a even great story. It, even if, like, it,
0: if it had only been like five hours or three hours, it's still a good fucking. To story. To be kidnapped by Al Capone,
3: it's like and, and then are, and are you still kidnapped if you earn thousands of dollars? At some point, well, you're probably you a didn't
1: willing to do it willingly. Like, <laughs> I mean, like that's a nice tip, but. Yeah, but (laughs) nobody said like, hey, you want to come with us? They just took him. Well, and some (laughs) guy with a cigar out of his mouth like,
0: hey, kid, take another bundle.
4: Yes. Avoid the guys in the trench coats. Nobody had cell phones. He couldn't call for help. (laughs) You just got to go. You just got to go. And you better
1: hope you still know how to play piano. Also,
0: he's a black man, too, like in Chicago at the time, like might have been a little bit scary.
1: A little dicey. Yeah. A bunch of like shysty white dudes. I do get the impression you in a. I don't know what what were they driving then? He was
0: kind of famous though, man.
4: Yeah, he uh. was
1: he was uh he was he was pretty famous.
4: But anyway, yeah, that's a crazy story. These guys um really knew how to work a room and you know, this is this record is a tribute from one of them to the other one. And uh and I do think that like you know, if you watch if you watch the Ken Burns documentary on jazz, which has been a little while since I've seen it. Fats Waller gets a little bit of screen time, uh, but it's really the Louis Armstrong show, and you know, and rightfully, sh- rightfully so, I guess the Louis Armstrong's career arc was greater, and his impact from like his impact in terms of like making making soloing a real like an actual Dude, part of jazz like you guys were talking about earlier. My most
1: ex girlfriend, which apparently I'm just going to bring up like every now and then because I have it's got to go time. on the bingo board. Um, no, she's a trumpet and cornet player, yeah, uh, and. Louis Armstrong is her favorite musician of all time.
0: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but also, but here's the thing, too. Like, Walter, uh, Fats that's w- wasn't really a jazz musician. I mean, he shared a lot of the same instruments, but it wasn't really jazz. I mean, he, again, it was like pop music. He was a writer.
4: Of, of the day. All right. Well, we are uh, we're blazing through this show. Um, who's got the who's got the middle? Ryan has the middle a few thing. minutes with.
1: All right, well, Ryan's going to go out and smoke half a cigarette and uh, come back with uh, middle information. Okay. Sounds good. We'll be back. (laughs) So we got a few minutes with, and uh, in keeping with uh, dead people... I um, like how,
0: for a second, you like said it like, "Hey, so we get a few minutes with." Well, it, it's true over here.
1: I, I just always just think of it as the intermission, but it, you know, it does have a formal designation. It's the way you were
0: saying it. You sound like Joey Triviani for a second, dude. Like,
1: hey, we got a few.
3: Hey. We're gonna spend a few minutes with a dead person. Who is what who you say. Who's it? Who's
1: it? Uh, it's coming. It's going to be uh, Amy Winehouse. Oh yeah, she's dead, and she's. A, I would. Some might argue, like a, you know. Um, that's already influenced by jazz. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. At least
4: um, by sort of the, I think maybe more of the Sinatra S- soul school.
0: Soul stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think her backing band may be more jazz inflected than her delivery. But yeah. uh, anyway. Again, uh, it's
0: not jazz. I think it's more like, like pop music that is influenced by jazz. Like sort of what we're talking
1: about. music like we'll is we'll collaborative, Shane. Yeah, I know. We yeah. don't have to care. about that, that
0: <laughs> I'm not tearing it apart. It's just I th- I find it interesting. So, And I it also is.
1: knew that this was going to like pick at like Shane Scab a little bit. Yeah. I know that he's not a huge Amy Winehouse fan. We like um,
3: picking Shane Scabs. Yeah. Uh,
1: probably even more than it's his wife does. Curious. I don't know. Uh, oh. But anyway, uh, a song that what? I particularly <laughs> enjoy. We'll get into it on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, get after me all you want. Uh, but uh, you know I'm no good
5: meet you downstairs in the bar and hurt your road up
1: So Shannon, I think you're probably right. It's probably more like jazz-inflected soul than it is like more. That's jazz. fair. Uh, but damn, that woman was talented.
0: Yeah, and no, she was talented. Also
1: I d- fucked up, but
0: I think my main issue with there's some songs of hers like that's a decent song. There's some songs of hers I absolutely loved. Um, I th- thought her lyrics were dumb, and I still do.
1: I feel like they're raw. But that's and the
0: thing. After watching the movie about her life, Amy, yeah, Amy, yeah, it just it puts things in a completely different perspective. Like I think I thought a lot of it was put on for show as bravado, and you see that it's really not. And it kind of not only that, like it puts it in a different perspective to me. But you know, sometimes like you listen to songs a couple of times or a few times or a few hundred I times. I think
1: she was kind of a genius, and like maybe they could seem rudimentary as lyrics, uh, but they're just. Like, exactly what she was going through, and then sure enough, she drank herself to death. Which,
2: sure,
0: that's exactly what I was saying before you interrupted me. Um, sometimes you Love listen you, to brother. songs like for like you know, some few times, a couple hundred times, and then you're like, oh, yeah, right, I get what that person's saying, and also it, you come around and, and you get it, like, and that's that's what I feel, that's how I feel about that. Like, it's ultimately incredibly tragic, but it it's, Kevin, it's
3: very think? tragic. I, I, this is one of those. I was not a fan of hers, right? I, I wasn't I mean, either, but really, I've come around. Really, until she until she was gone, and then, it's so unfortunate to say that for I both know. of us. I yeah, but like. but that's yeah, really how it was. And I, I've, she's one of these that I feel like maybe she was even born in the wrong era. You know, not to say that artists haven't struggled with drug and alcohol addiction for for years, but I mean, I feel like maybe in a different time she could have thrived even longer.
4: I don't know. Like she had, like if anything, like there's a little bit of a bi- speaking of jazz. Like there's a little bit of a Billie Holiday parallel. Yeah. Like you know, it's just that's a, a mean but business. Billie for Holiday,
0: without wrong. the parents that were sitting there going, make you know, make some money, make some money, sure. make her some money. right? Right? Not exactly like the apparently same. Apparently, been but but trying right. to yeah, profit no, off. Yeah, I agree her, with you. Yeah,
1: been trying to profit off her, uh, like during her own life and like and her death and posthumously. Like he's. Now got a, apparently a thriving music career, and the whole thing is just a little Skeety, sketchy and yeah. and awful. But there's she was undeniably talented.
4: No, well, she she was talented. And and you guys, you know, I mean, I think the thing that we're like we're kind of talking around is the idea that it is it re- really she's not. You wouldn't call her necessarily a throwback artist, but like her music sits at the intersection of something that feels dated and current at once uh, well which so is i was going to say
0: throwback artist but then when when you said you wouldn't call her that i was going to say yeah I, I think i probably would but when you put it that way you know it's sort it's sort of like how every so often every 10 maybe 15 years you know like big band stuff will make its resurgence again but like
1: when swing had that big thing and yeah. like the but even
0: but even before that you know say you know like ago. 10 years before that There was like the Harry Connick Jr. swing revival that didn't lead to that, and then ten years after that, uh, you had like Amy Winehouse and stuff like that, which wasn't the same kind of thing, but but also was very retro. I think like people go to quality music where it where it is like stuff that you can respond. And there's a certain like
4: classicism isn't the right word. There's a certain timelessness to the way that those songs are put together. So
1: well, and her backing band was uh, with the Dap Kings, right? Like from Sharon Jones, was it? Like, you yeah, know, it's funny. I'm pretty sure I'm right about. I that. I didn't
0: know that, but when we were listening to that song, it's funny you said. I was like, "This sounds like Sharon Jones backing band."
1: No, it, it, I'm, I'm. I would totally 99 go, sure I'm I, right I, about that.
0: I, I will. I'm not. I'm, not <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what I was thinking. Why we were listening to that song. So anyway, no, it's a cool track, Ryan, and I'm. It's frankly
4: like I'm kind of surprised that we never have covered the record that it's on, but um,
0: but uh, well played. Well, here to help. Sure. All right. Well, thank you. Let's go back in that. Let's go back into that. In that. what I mean, do I know English? We'll go, we'll go Let's further. Let's go back in that. Let's right. so go difficult sometimes. Let's go talk in that stuff. We'll fix all this in yeah. <laughs>
2: So I
4: mentioned Dipper Mouth. As one of the many, probably one in fairness, like one of the lesser known. Yes, it's a, it Monikers. is. It's a, it's a lesser known moniker for uh, Satchmo or Satch or Pops or any of the many many things that he was uh, that he went by. But there's a guy who who writes a jazz blog that is uh, Louis Armstrong centric. That uh, it's, called, it's called Dipper Mouth Blog or something like that. Anyway. Um, really fascinating the guy has written he's written a book on um on satchmo and he has a really he had a really cool i found a really cool write-up about this record in particular and uh anyway they have a quote there's a quote in here um he this guy the guy who wrote this book and wrote this blog met the guy that produced um that produced this record in the in 1955 he met him in 2002 at a jazz club and uh anyway the short version of a longer story is that he uh the guy was he approached him the guy was r- really nice and then he said hey give me your email address and i'll send you something cool so he writes that he sends the guy his email address and then uh and the guy asked for his mailing address and he sent him Liner notes for the re-release of this record, which came out in two thousand and one, and when I guess Columbia reissued, you know that record is whatever. As of twenty fifteen, was sixty years old, so probably for I'm I'm not doing the math right, but like let's say it's its fortieth anniversary or whatever. When they're when they put it out or thirty fifth or whatever. When that when that record came out, uh, or when they when they're doing the re-release the guy who originally produced it just had a bunch of inside skinny on the way that the record came together, the whole thing about that two-album arc with Columbia after he'd been on DACA. And uh, anyway, there was this really great quote about uh, Louis Armstrong and his take on Fats Waller. And he says, the quote says, and this this was, um, he was specifically asked about Waller's passing in 1943. He said, yeah, Fats is gone now, but to me, he's still here with us. His very good spirit will keep him with us for ages. Right now, every time someone mentions Fats Waller's name, while well, you can see the grins on all their faces as if to say, yeah, 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 Fats is a solid sender, ain't he? Which is a totally 1943 way to say that the guy could really play.
1: No, this is a really upbeat record, except for one song. Yeah, uh, we don't have to get to it just yet, but like uh, you know, there's there's an undercurrent of, you know, like I mean, th- it's mostly celebration, but there's an undercurrent of like uh, oppression in there. Oh, sure. And I think I that think all
0: that those guys at that time were carrying that. To well, and,
1: and like Louis Armstrong got, you know, um, as much as he, he like got pummeled. I mean, he was uh, a champion of civil rights, but he was looked down upon by some. Uh, of the African-American community for not, you know, for like playing along too much.
4: Do Um, you know his, do you know the, well, this is, this is crazy. So part of his backstory was that when he was a kid, he would, there was a Jewish family in the part of New Orleans where he lived. he wore a Star of David for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. He was basically raised by a
1: Lithuanian Jewish family.
4: Yeah, and they would sell, they would go to the, they would go to the brothels in New Orleans and sell them coal. And so he would make like it was like f- he'd get a nickel for like uh, so much coal or whatever. And then and what would happen is, is these 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 coal trucks would ride around town in New Orleans, and they would ring. There'd be like a bell on the on the truck or whatever to tell them that the whatever. is like the coal version of the ice cream man is coming. And you could come out and buy some. But <laughs> the version
1: of an ice cream man <laughs> I've ever it's
2: heard.
4: It's
1: a very you need it to stay warm and stay alive. It just
4: goes but <laughs> dong. It's a very Dong. It's a dong. very I don't know if it was I don't know if it was like a big bell. But anyway, they would you know there would be like a little bell on these. And then to differentiate or like get the attention of these these brothels, he um this this Lithuanian Jewish family that essentially like kind of mostly raised him. His dad split when he was young. He was raised by his grandmother for his first like five years of his life. Uh, they encouraged his love of music, and uh, the 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 dad in this family like helped him buy a cornet, and so he would play the horn when this coal truck was would run. And so that was that was the beginning just, of Louis Armstrong.
1: I just like, love it that like the most legendary uh jazz trumpeter of the twentieth century is basically a Lithuanian Jew. Like that's awesome. I mean well, like, yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's, he's I mean, essentially no, he's a black guy, but like uh but
4: that's great. Uh yeah, he yeah, I mean the fact of the matter is 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 Louis Armstrong Really cared about people that were great to him and people that were talented.
2: Well, and what he and said, like, like
1: uh, was like he
4: Fats waller tended to be he, was both. You know, he was situation. like,
1: uh, you know, like, well, these are white people, but they're being oppressed by other white people. And well, like that was the other, yeah,
4: that was the other thing is that he saw how how badly that that Jewish family was being treated by other. You know, I mean, the thing about you know this is this is going to sound like a sweeping generality. It's probably not totally fair, but you know. There's a part of New Orleans culture that is steeped in old world that I have seen. On, like I have enough friends who have lived there for a long time that it's like, uh, and Mark, you may be able, you have, you have some Louisiana and you maybe you can corroborate okay. this. Like there is a certain amount These of like, spiced. There, there's, there's a, <laughs> Thanks, <Ryan. laughs> there's a, with a did, we, did we just pick up a sponsor? What happened? Uh, Anyway, there's <laughs> a
1: pack of Zaps right in front
3: of <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Zaps voodoo.
4: Good God! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was a certain amount of. Now, did you, you guys made me lose my train of thought? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess you yes. were talking so about New Orleans. It's, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's a little bit of a caste system in New Orleans, which is to say that there's a certain there's a certain pocket of that of that city that is re- that really cares about how many generations you go back there. And uh, and so there is part of New Orleans that is very comfortable in being old world. And so, anyway, yeah, I think, you know, and, and Louis Armstrong had a very, he had a very, like, kind of mixed bag relationship with that city. They named the airport after him, and he died in New York.
2: Yeah.
4: In Queens. I think so, I, I like.
0: Think a, a, a black man in that part of, you know, like. In anywhere in the south during that time, no matter how successful they were, it's going would have to have had a much peril. No, that,
4: that's fair to say. Totally fair to say. Yeah, but anyway. Um, okay, well, let's. Why don't we flip another? Uh, like, put the needle down on the turntable of uh, so life.
1: If, if you'll confirm this for me, uh, it actually ends with an ellipsis. But what did I do uh, to be so black and blue? I believe.
5: Mm, I White inside, but that don't help my case. Because I can't hide what is in my face, but those bodies, but got a friend my only sin is in my skin what did i do to be so black and blue
4: so you don't really think of Fats Waller as a as a like as a blues artist but that's clearly like that's clearly the blues
3: uh, it, it feels like New Orleans blues. I mean, it feels. Yes. Yeah. And it's. What Dude, that's as
1: bluesy as it gets as what far as like, like feeling blue.
3: Like but air. what a powerful like message in that song. That's just.
0: Yeah, that's fucking heartbreaking, man. It is. That exactly. That was the exact words I was going to use. Are we if I had to come out these conversations now that were in that song, that was almost. Mark, can you years look old. up what year like he. Wrote that like this I'll had to be in like
3: the 30s or keep some talking, shit. but
1: well, he was well, he died
4: in 1943. Chances are it would have been, you know, like, more likely that it was in the 30s. Um, well, and I what will did say I too do
1: to feel so blue, what, blue to like my black and, own, and blue, yeah, feel so black and blue. Like my only sin is in my skin. Like well, that is that, some fucking. I'm not a big poetry fan, but god damn, yeah, 1929. You know, yeah, but th- but that yeah, kind of makes... I mean, it
4: sort of makes sense, too. Like, his parents didn't like the fact that Fats was a... that You know, that Fats made a name for himself because he had started out playing music at church and uh, and then quickly graduated to, you know, the club scene. And he clearly was a consummate showman. Like, that's one thing that these two guys absolutely had in common. But, yeah, I think the interesting thing to me about that song showing up on this recording, is that um, the, you know, we talk, sometimes we talk about sequencing, and certainly like in kind of a greatest hits scenario, sequencing is almost easier, especially if you have a really big catalog. So it's like, they could have stuck another, Louis Armstrong could have put another uh, like upbeat, like kind of sassy Fat Swaller track in there, but he didn't, which tells me that he loved the shit out of that
0: song.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of respect in in the the content of the song, in the way that this is presented.
0: Yeah, it looks like he didn't write the lyrics on that. I guess Andy Razaf or Razoff, I guess, who I was reading, wrote a bunch of his lyrics. I didn't know that before.
4: That's real, that's interesting.
0: African American wow. poet.
1: Yeah, regardless, man. Like that
0: shit makes me. Yeah, tear I guess up. he wrote I'm not th- even see, kidding, I didn't like know that he wrote the lyrics for "Ain't Misbehaving." Like this.
1: Yeah, I only listened to this record twice, but I listened that to stuff. that song like four times, and I, I literally teared up in my car listening to it. Yeah, like, that's sad. Uh, and maybe it's just because I. Were you
4: Were you blue?
1: I mean, not as blue as he was. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it
3: was so, uh, it's so poignant, and it's so it, like like it's it's almost. It's almost disappointing that the the Wikipedia page doesn't have more. Well, well Fats was it than from uh, this, uh, Harlem, you know? right?
1: So it, Any it, it just of feels like, like it, it just yeah, it just feels like like that era era of Harlem and but like really like nobody could catch a break if you weren't of the ra- the white race at, at that point and like like whatever like I don't want this to devolve into a you know a racial you know a construction, but like shit wasn't going well for African Americans.
3: You know, but it's still uh, well. Okay, still like you said, it's still beautiful. It's still not, and uh, and I I can't stand the fact that this song still has relevance.
2: Yeah,
4: the, the great. Well, and so speaking about, I mean, and it, and I do think it's fair to talk about race when we're talking about the context of the 20s, 30s, and 40s in this in the United States. Not necessarily from a political perspective. The interesting thing is, is that that Fats Waller was universally loved. By people of all kinds like all different uh all different colors of the crayon box and and the fact of the matter is you know like the way that the way that he had to make a living, and who knows like maybe maybe there there's a fine point to where his maybe his Probably life's he had he to sell some them. songs that he wouldn't have had to sell otherwise. That Because it would make more money if they're put that out by a white a yeah his, yeah,
1: in his history, and he probably had to use the back entrance to get into the stage yeah, that's um, undeniable
0: the thing that brought that blows me away is the fact that like we can barely find anything out about him in my mind, he's one of the most famous composers the, of the 20th century, and there's clearly no iconic shit on him, like all over the internet. you have to fucking do a deep dive, even his Wikipedia page there's barely anything on it,
4: yeah. No, it's and it and it's weird too. Like it's frankly fascinating that that's the case. But um, they one of the things that bubbled up in this in the the liner notes uh, from this from the guy that that produced that record and the and I don't did I mention that the liner notes didn't actually make it onto the re release, so they didn't make it onto the re release, which is why the guy could send them over and it was like kind of a cool cool thing. But anyway, one of the things that that they were talking about was that there were some real – Fats had some really great instrumentals that he had written um, that they couldn't really include because, like, the tone, like the tone or tempo or whatnot, uh, you know, you couldn't put them in there with the hits and necessarily expect them to move. And I think maybe that had something to do with the label politics or whatever. But um, uh, I am curious. I need to go find uh, some of his great instrumentals just because they're called Minor Drag, Zonky, and Stealing Apples. But, uh, um, those are three of the great. greatest songs yeah. I've
0: ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. I want to make my next record just be a, a, those three songs with a comma in between. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But anyway,
4: yeah. I do think that, like, you know, some of his, if you think about, like, content wise, what Fats Waller songs are typically about, like, it's all about, like, you know, it's all about your, how but you,
0: how stay, you. Stay, stay there before we go back. Numb fumbling. I'm, I want, yeah. Not just that. Soothing syrup stomp. Sloppy, wa- sloppy water blues, smashing thirds. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Jitterbug waltz.
1: Oh, that—that was—I like, think it was about uh, Ricky Henderson, Kevin. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I imagine
0: keeping out of mischief now.
1: Yeah, but anyway, like, yeah,
4: the, he was that guy. That guy, you know. If you get, if you only get thirty nine years, lean into it. That's all I'm saying, dude. That like, dude who really lived.
1: Did? Yeah, if you if you've only got thirty nine years, he did it. Uh, I loved. I I I stated this at the
0: top of this episode, but I love his half of the of the album. Just him with that cigarette in his mouth, just like giving you a "you're about to get some mischief here." Look out of the corner of his eye. Yeah,
4: I'm this like good, this is all about to go sideways, like but that. it'll be I fun. Mean, yeah, like and the funny thing is, is like so technically this is splitting hairs, but technically Waller gets a little bit more real estate of the two. I see
3: that. I was just thinking about that. That is yeah, true. He's like, got about
1: two thirds. Yeah,
4: well, he was it's playing a, it's his songs, so. and it's a it's design about choice in a
2: way. Louis Armstrong, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah.
2: But
1: anyway, they're like it's well, it's a uh, none of these songs are in five eight because uh, they'll lose me at that point. Yeah. But anyway, who's got uh, the new song? Me. This
0: is not. This is also awesome, not a, a really uplifting song, but it's got a beat to it, and we can dance. Um, I want to do the uh, the um, Leon Bridges single, uh, "Bad Bad News." So let's do that.
5: Ain't got no riches, ain't got no money that runs long. But I got a heart that's strong, and a love is tall. Ain't got no name, ain't got no fancy education. But I can see what I do. A powder face on a painted fool. Let me slip through. Let me slip through. Why you
3: sure the girl's enjoying the music but if if you're trying to get home and the voices in your head are making you dance it's probably time to go see a doctor
4: well sure i
3: mean
0: yeah that's fair
3: it's a good song i and i I like the chicago connection
0: i i love that i love that song very very much it's it's cool every time i've seen that video i'm like i never make it i make it about halfway through because the song ends and then it goes back and it does stuff for a while and i don't know what happens in the rest of it because i kept
1: coming like in and out of consciousness in it like there are parts of it like where it would have that like uh what what is spirogyra considered uh
0: smooth jazz
1: smooth jazz there were parts of it that were smooth jazz and then it would like perk up a little bit and and i'd be like oh yeah and i'd be like oh yeah i also this part bores me i
0: I think it's easier to see all in one, like uh, if listen to it like in one, like you know, group rather than like having it broken up with like the weird, like that that whole weird fucking video.
4: So the great irony is that uh, when we were talking in the in the middle, in the mid mid part of the show break, the um, Ryan's portion, when we were talking about Amy Winehouse. Uh, and and talking about artists that sort of sit at that intersection of nostalgia and currency, the exa- the exact example I was going to give was this artist. Uh, sp- specifically, sort of like certainly more his last record yeah, than what like it sounds like this record.
0: record. I l- I really really enjoy this this certain this particular record that this song comes off of. Yeah, um, I like this track a lot. Yeah, it's it's really well g- if you listen to it again when it's not quite as broken up. As it is, like, it's hard to, I- that's, like, that sort of, like, um, we were joking around, like, you know, last time we did this when I <coughs> when I played Fat, you know, it, like the Michael Jackson Bad video where it's, like, the song's playing and then they stop and they run up and go, oh, and they yell like, a can lot. I just hear the fucking song? Yeah. You know, it's not, like, a, it's not supposed to be, like, a like a short piece of.
1: I just love it how you're, like, uh, deconstructing uh, Weird Al Yankovic I mean, it was in a like, academic way.
0: Okay, well, it came off of a Michael Jackson video initially. Yeah, right? and Michael
3: well, Jackson true. was kind of the first to do that kind of cinematic, yeah, right, exactly. Music like thriller video, and stuff thriller, like that. yeah.
0: But I think ultimately, like, it gets kind of for me personally, it gets a little bit boring. Like, if I want to watch a video about a song, especially if I want to show it to a friend, like I showed, try to show that song to Skyler, like you know, six weeks ago, and she's like, I can't get into the song; it keeps stopping and stopping and stuff. And I'm but like, that's—I
3: yeah. uh, don't know. I guess that's that's the different medium, though. I mean. You, I mean I don't you've got a video I don't video versus a, versus I don't a song and I, I just, like
4: the track like I like the track a lot. And I think you know I mean the sort of the idea like the idea that um, of creating anticipation by by throwing intentional pauses in there like is kind of a time honored thing but it can be done less effectively and like something when you kind of go- toggle back and forth between like am i in a music video or am i in a short film yeah, like that like, shit gets harder give
0: me, give me the option like if i want to sh- i'm like dude you gotta watch the video for this cool ass song and like give me the option of the long version or the version where i can listen to the song well yeah right.
3: are you watching a short film or are you that that right. has a soundtrack of the of the song right. or right. are you watching I'll right, which first is song. a very
0: fair thing and I I probably would make my way all through that video, but I never would've because I it gets annoying and I just want to hear the fucking song. Like good example is I played two I still p- like it though. Yeah, no, it's a great song. I played two massive attack videos for you guys that are both equally as cinematic, but played the song all the way through, so you get kind of the you know, the the ramp up and all that I don't know. The, the building of the tension. Yeah, but you get to see it in one small thing that you could also listen to the song. If you had closed your eyes, you could hear the song from start to finish. So right on. Well, I like it. I'm into
4: it. It's fine work. Fine work, Leon Bridges. Okay,
0: so...
3: This guy is almost 23 years younger than you are, Kevin. Thanks, Mark. Tomorrow. That's Tomorrow. Penny, Tomorrow, yeah, Tomorrow yeah, is not, we don't birthday. have to do all that, but yeah. It's gonna be one year Ryan, old. Ryan,
2: Ryan, thank you. Right now. Ryan, thank <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, we're not gonna say what it is. It
2: doesn't it, matter. But it's more but, than me.
1: Thanks.
4: Yeah. Well they
3: can look up on Wikipedia and see how old wisdom, all the bridges is. All but wisdom. Yeah, anyway. And then subtract.
4: Thanks. <laughs> Solid. Exactly where <laughs> I wanted to go. Anyway, who's got next? Chain, what are we doing next week?
0: Uh, I did one white guy singer-songwriter last time I picked, and I'm going to do an- another white guy singer-songwriter. Um, and I don't really it's care. Not you, right? I don't care about what your opinion is one way or the other, Ryan. So can you stop your opinion for a second? Um, so uh, last time I picked, um, you know, whatever, uh, Willis Allen Ramsey. And this time I'm going to do Elliot Smith from A Bottom of the Hill. So Oh, good. We haven't done any an- any of that stuff, so... I can tell my Elliot I've Smith heard that story. Heard record,
1: but I don't know it well. So
0: that's yes. kind of the point of the show, dude.
1: Excellent. <laughs> all
4: right, so all right, let's get out of here. Till next week. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan.
3: I'm Shane. I'm Mark.
4: This is somebody likes it.